What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast dedicated to, well, you know it by now, uh, for SIDs and athletic communication professionals, sharing their stories and sharing their experiences in hopes that you guys will be able to get something out of these episodes. So uh, today we have Katie Mucci from the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference. It's not so Southern Conference. That is actually how she got my uh, attention when uh, we first got on Skype together. She said, um, yeah, I listened to a couple of your episodes, and you said that you were big into conference realignment, which I am. I think it's fascinating, the economics and the, the you know, everything else that goes into it and how it affects the athletic world. And she said, well, we have a bunch of that going on right now. And I said, okay, we can talk about that. So um, that was a good segue uh, into me kind of getting excited about this. And as we went on, she started to tell a really, really interesting story. She accepted the SCAC, uh, sorry, Katie, uh, the SCAC job uh, while she was, you know, taking shelter for a tornado. So there are just different things, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. We do kind of hammer home some of the things that, uh, as far as digital media are concerned, about you know changing algorithms on Twitter and Instagram and all those good, happy places, as Bob Ross would put it. But um, if you guys haven't already, if this is your very first experience with SIDcast, I highly encourage you to go over and hit subscribe. You can do that on your brand new fancy schmancy. Um, I got the update. Uh, on your podcast app on your iPhone, or you can do that on the desktop. You can find us on Twitter, um, and then you can always go also go to us on our website, sidcast.fireside. That's F-I-R-E-S-I-D-E dot F-M. And you can always, um, if you're looking for a specific episode, you can do backsla- backslash, not backsplash, Dave. Get it together, man. Uh, backslash whatever number you're looking for. So if you're a former guest and you can't quite find your episode, even though a Fireside website is fairly easy to use, um, just put backslash and then whatever number um, you want. You can, uh, you know, you can download it, send it to your parents and be like, listen to this. You can download it and send it to everybody uh, in your conference. You can send it to uh, your your spouse for a birthday gift. I don't know. You you do whatever um, floats your boat here. So, um, yeah, this is episode number 50. I want to take some time uh, out of my day to kind of say thank you to you guys uh, very, very much. Uh, and if anybody that was um, at Coside or anybody that's just flat out asked me how I got started with SIDcast, uh, I usually tell you that um, it was uh, October of last year. So if anybody's been paying attention, we had our 7-7 seven and seven campaign uh, to celebrate our one-year anniversary uh, fun fact, before I get into thanking you guys, uh, uh, my girlfriend Morgan uh, actually uh, got me a cake, and um, she forgot to pick it up, and then we were on our uh, date night a while, a couple of days later, and she's just like, smacks her hands on her face, and then she tells me that, I'm like, oh gosh, so, um, but yeah, uh, back a year ago in 2016, I said, I'm going to do this once every two weeks, and um, I'm only going to do 14 episodes, which I did the math. It took me all the way up to uh, to May, and then I would evaluate if you guys like this sort of thing or not, and then I would um, see if anybody was interested in maybe doing a year two, you know, that at least that was what the plan was, and then I found myself, I think it was around uh, January, February, uh, 
I decided to do weekly. I was having a, a lot of fun with it, and, and it started to pick up some steam. And, uh, you know, I started getting a lot more reaction. Um, people started getting excited that they uh, got asked to be on. Um, compare, compare that to in the beginning, I used to have to send out mass emails, 25 to 50 people. Um, of course, I wouldn't group the email together. I would, you know, send it out individually, um, and now I get responses within, um, you know, days, sometimes, sometimes within a day, sometimes within an hour, um, and saying how much they like the show. Um, for the most part, I don't think I've really ran into anybody yet, uh, as of late that has never heard of it, um, or at least never seen it once or twice in their Twitter timeline, but uh, we're halfway to a hundred. Um, at this time, I believe when this episode comes up on in November, and this is still October at the time of this recording, um, we'll have a, a special, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers, a, a special little campaign that we'll be doing uh, closer to Christmas time as far as a charity is concerned. And then, uh, episode 100, I do have something planned, um, it's a little bit different than what you people might be used to, or maybe a little bit different when you hear of a podcaster doing this sort of thing, but I'm going to keep it very close to the chest, and um, again, yeah, thank, thank you all, thank you, thank you all, uh, from the bottom of my heart um, for, for all this. I do have a ton of fun doing it, so uh, I've been rambling on for too long. It's been five and a half minutes, so how about we get to today's episode with Katie Mucci, and we first start off this episode of number 50. Uh, talking about her very first taste in sports information right here on SIDcast. So I was a journalism and mass communications major with an emphasis in public relations and advertising. Um, I had done like newspaper kind of sports stuff and magazine type sports stuff in um, high school as part of like our newspaper staff, and then we had a website staff too. Um, and then I got to college and was just doing my major and stuff like that. And my advisor, actually, I was talking to her about how I somehow wanted to get into sports because I had done sports writing and sports design while I was still in um, high school, but hadn't done anything yet in college my se- going into my senior year. And um, I pretty, she pretty much was like, well, I guess like you can do an internship over in the athletic department. Um, I have some contact info, no one's done it, but whatever. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I emailed Heather Kennedy, who was the SID when I was there. And she was like, sure, come over and like, I'll tell you about the job and you can see if I scare you away. (laughs) And so I went over there and talked to her and I was like, yeah, sounds like fun. Um, And that was in like April or May, I guess, of my, I guess, my quote unquote junior year. Um, I did college in three years. So like my, my years are off. Okay. Uh, Okay. So it's hard to like say what, but my senior year, um, I, so I talked to her in like April heading into my senior year and then come my senior year, I started off in the beginning of August. I think I got back out to Colorado, um, after the summer and started working with her doing football and volleyball and it was only supposed to be for one semester, um, just an unpaid internship for credit. And I ended up doing, um, you know, some participation stuff during football games, running stats and stuff, kind of the basic things. And then got into more graphic design for program covers um, for different sports, mostly volleyball. And then I was calling stats for volleyball um, and helping out with social media. Um, 
And then instead of, she asked me if I wanted to stay. And so I ended up staying for the full year and doing basketball, calling stats for that. Um, tried to type them, but I got distracted. So I needed to do them to call them instead. Um, and then I was doing social media for basketball, all the live in-game stuff. Um, we didn't do a lot of graphics on social media back then. Um, this was, I guess, three and a half years ago. So it wasn't quite as big. Um, Twitter was just kind of becoming bigger. And so I was doing, um, you know, social media, live in-game stuff, and then running stats because we did have media um, at most of our games and um, still doing graphics for, like, wrestling program covers and stuff like that. And then continued into the spring. Um, we Heather actually, um, she, had, she has some kind of disease or disability kind of thing um, where she has chronic pain. And so heading into, I guess it was probably March or April, she ended up having to do a disability leave. Um, for the rest of the year, and so our GA ended up having to take over as head SID um, for the baseball season, and so I ended up taking on a little bit more of a role than I probably would have, um, just because we didn't have an actual SID at our school, uh, and so I was still kind of doing stats and graphics and social media and stuff, um, so most of my experience ended up going more towards the digital media side, even though um, I did do a lot with stat crew and stuff like that. Um, but I, that was kind of my first taste of sports info. It, it's a pretty small D1, too. So saying it's a D1 yeah. is kind of misleading because we had one SID um, and two GAs for, you know, a Division One program that went to NCAA tournaments in certain sports. So uh -huh. it, was, uh, it was interesting. I ended up actually getting to be the main contact for men's and women's golf as an unpaid student intern, which is maybe not the smartest decision anyone's ever made, but I thought it was okay with golf. So it's not like it's too hard to mess up. Right, yeah. Um, so that was actually, um, that was the only year that I know that we've gone to the NCAA tournament. So I might be good luck. The world will never know. Yeah, perfect. So uh, did you, have you ever heard of an SID before? I know you, you kind of worked with your newspaper. Um, did you, you never, had, I know you said you did uh, sports in high school, but you never did it in college. So did you even know that there was this whole field out there? I have no idea. Um, I didn't know what an SID was. I didn't know what Heather, or like who Heather was. I didn't know if he handled all that stuff. I just thought it appeared, um, which sounds so naive. But <laughs> when you're never, when you're never in that world. And my brother played college sports. So you think I'd have a little more insight? But I did not. Um, and so I, yeah, had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, like you kind of mentioned in your major, a little bit of a advertising, marketing, things like that. So. You already had kind of, did you already have sort of a design background or kind of an eye for design when you were being, growing up basically? Um, yeah, actually, so back in like the MySpace days, <laughs> you used to be able to do like coding and graphic design on your page to make your layout the coolest. Um, and so I actually started using Photoshop back then, which is like probably middle school, I guess. Wow. Um, I'm thinking like seventh, eighth grade maybe. Um, so I actually started using Photoshop way back then, and then I didn't use it for a few years when I first got into high school, and then once I got on to, like, newspaper staff and um, the high school I graduated from, um, we had a magazine instead of a newspaper, so we do a lot more layout design and stuff like that, and um, I kind of jumped in. I moved there October of my senior year, so um, they already had their writing staff settled, but they were looking for someone who could help design, so I actually ended up jumping up into more of the designing of the pages rather than um, writing, which is fine for me because I enjoyed it. So I hadn't really done it for a couple of years, and then I jumped right back in. So I had a little bit of a graphic design background, um, but not anything exceptional. Yeah, so how did you use that? Um, 
that kind of experience uh, along with working in that newspaper you know field for so long how did you translate all those skills and all those things that you could do then to uh, what you did with their uh, University of North, Col- North Colorado sorry uh, athletic department as well as what you do now um, I think a lot of the graphic stuff obviously just kind of translates naturally right. um, and then working with Adobe products helps with other Adobe products, they're all kind of run the same way. So Premiere and video, stuff like that. Um, and then my major, while it was PR and advertising, was also still journalism-based. Mm-hmm. And so we still had to take all the news writing classes and all those kind of things. So uh, and copy editing, all that kind of stuff. So I got a really good base of knowledge there, too, that helped me with, you know, we still do releases. We do that kind of stuff. And then, But the PR and marketing adver- or side of it. Um, we did a lot of event management kind of stuff because a lot of public relations is that. So working at a conference now, a lot of the things I learned there for promoting an event, managing an event, translate into conference championships. Um, And so that's really kind of helped, not really naturally, I guess. I mean, I guess it kind of does go naturally, but not how you would think. Um, But it actually did help a lot coming into a conference office where I have to go run a championship on my own and um, help with staff and help with trophies and, you know, different things that come up and arise, like problems that arise. Okay, cool. So uh, going kind of back to your background, we kind of went on a tangent there. Perfectly fine. Um, the SCAC, I'm, I have to say that out loud a couple of times. So SCAC, how, what was the job process like? Where were you at in life when this opening came about? And had you ever been to Atlanta before? No to the last part. I'll start. I'll go backwards, kind of. So no, I'd never been to Atlanta. The only place in like the southeastern U.S. I'd been is Florida. Oh. Uh, never been to any of the rest of the southeast, um, and so I'd never been over here till I got flown out for my interview. I was actually. It was the summer after I graduated. Um, I, you know, this young little twenty-one-year-old thinking they can get any job they want. Um, so I started interviewing while I was still in Colorado, and then graduated at like mid-May, I guess. Um, I went back. My parents were living in Iowa at that time. So I went back to my parents' house after graduation, threw my resume up on Cosida, because Heather had suggested Cosida as a place to look for jobs for me. Um, threw my resume up there, just thinking, like, maybe I'll get something. Maybe someone will email me. And I am getting quite a few emails um, just to get interviews. So I had to do a lot of phone interviews. Um, <coughs> so I did a lot of phone interviews and talked to different people all over the country. I really didn't have, like, a place I wanted to live. Okay. Um, you know, at that point I'd lived in four different States, three of them in like the last three years. And so, um, I really didn't have anything where I was like, I need to stay in Iowa. I need to stay in Colorado. I need to, you know, yeah. anything like that. So I really had an open, open view of what jobs were available. And, um, my boss actually emailed me, my current boss emailed me cause he saw my resume, I guess maybe beginning of June. Um, said, hey, I saw your resume, I have this job, do you want to apply for it? And I was like, yeah, sounds really good. So I sent him my resume. And then we fast forward like 30 days. And I'm like, so like you asked for my resume. Do I get an interview? (laughs) What's going on? Uh And I still give him crap to this day for it. But it took forever. I've done a lot of interviews. I got one job offer that just was not going to work out for me. It was um, an internship, which is fine, but it was pretty low paid and in Nashville, which is not cheap. Yeah. Um, and so I just couldn't accept it. I'd never been there. They weren't bringing me out. So I had no idea what Nashville was like or anything like that. So I ended up turning that one down because I just was, it was not, didn't think it was the right fit for me. 
Um, and so finally he's like, yeah, we're doing phone interviews now. So we want to interview you. And I was like, okay, finally, sounds good. Um, and so we do the phone interview. It goes pretty well. Um, and then from there, it was a pretty quick process. Um, they had it narrowed down. I think when I did the phone interview, maybe to like 15, 10 people. And then they had such strong candidates. They kind of did a task oriented step in the interview. So I had to do, um, a graphic. It was during the world cup. So I had to do a graphic, um, write a story about the world cup game I was watching and then do some social media posts to kind of see what my skills were actually like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent that in and then he's like, Hey, we want to bring you out for an in-person interview. You're one of our three finalists. So they flew me out to Atlanta and, um, I got back and I think they had one more interview the day after me. And then I was in the middle of sitting in my parents' basement during a, a, a tornado and they called me. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I I told I tell him I risked my life for the call, but um, he called me and I was like, hey, like just to let you know if we get disconnected, I'm not hanging up. It's probably just a tornado ahead that knocked out a power line or something. So just want to give you a heads up. But what's up? <laughs> and he offered me the job, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously I played it cool. I was yeah. like, I don't know, I need to think about it. Um, so I went ahead and accepted it. Um, I think the next day probably. And then I ended up moving out there maybe three or four weeks, three, probably three weeks after that, um, got out there. I think I started on August 1st. The job was, um, part of the NCAA's, it's a division three grant. It's called the ethnic minority and women's internship grant. Okay. And so the job was part of that. So we had orientation to start the grant out, um, the end of July in Indianapolis. And then I went, went there and then I, I think I had one day at home to get the stuff. And then I drove down to Atlanta um, to move in. And that's how I got my job. Tornado, risking my life, all that stuff. Perfect. I don't think I've ever heard of uh, anybody say that they've uh, literally kind of sort of risked their life to take a phone call <laughs> like that. Like your roof is flying off your house and you're just, it's fine, you know. I'll, 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 it's I'll just a gone. little rain. <laughs> no, rain never hurt anybody, but a tornado has. Anyway. Exactly. So, um, what did you know about the SCAC, you know, Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference, but it, what does it mean by, is it south of the Mason-Dixon line? I mean, what, what is that south? Because it's like Colorado, Texas, it's pretty nationwide. Yeah, um, so I didn't know, I didn't really know anything about the conference. I knew about a couple of the schools just because I grew up in Texas, and we have six schools in Texas. Um, I've been, I'd been on Trinity's campus before, I'd been on Austin College's campus before, um, so I knew a couple of the schools, and then Colorado College I knew about because I had a friend who went there while I was living in Colorado. Um, so I knew some of the schools, had no idea about the conference, um, got that job, went out there, and the name's a little bit deceiving, like you said, um, but right now we have six schools in Texas, one in Louisiana, and currently one in Colorado, but soon to be two um, as of next year. But go or rewind back a few years, probably 2011, 2012, even further before that, there was other schools like Kevin Link. You interviewed the Rose Holman used to be in the SCAC, um, along with DePaul. Wow, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, they were DePaul was in the SCAC for a while. I think Rose Holman was in there for about just as long, maybe. Um, that was way before me. But then we also had schools like Oglethorpe, which is in Atlanta, which is kind of why their office is based here. <laughs> um, Swanee, which is in Tennessee, uh, Birmingham Southern in Alabama. Yeah. Hendricks in Arkansas, Millsaps in Mississippi. Like we had schools all over the southeast, and then at that point, I think there was Trinity in Texas, and maybe like three schools in Texas, three or four, and then Colorado. So it was very much southeastern based. Uh-huh. Um, 
and we were based in Atlanta, um, partially because our commissioner wanted to be based here, but also partially because the Atlanta airport is so easy to get out of. You can get anywhere on a one, you know, on a nonstop flight. So it's, it is the most convenient place when you have schools so far away. Um, and then I would say, I think it was 2011, maybe the seven schools in the conference out of 12, um, decided to break off and make a new conference called the SAA, the Southern Athletic Association. Uh, so we were left with five schools and that was, like I said, 2011, 2012, and they were four in Texas and then one in Colorado. And we had one year, I think, with only five schools. And then by the next year, I think we'd picked up three to make it eight, which is what we're at now. Um, and that was Centenary College in Louisiana, Texas Lutheran, and Shriner in Texas. Um, so we had a little bit of a shuffle before I came. Um, but it was, we just have stayed over here. I mean, my boss's wife works at Turner and, you know, he has kids. And so he doesn't want to move across the country to Texas, which would be a little more central. Uh-huh. And we really do everything pretty well out of here. You don't, as a conference, you don't really need to be on campuses or that close. Um, you know, we're happy to travel for all of our championships. So it works for us. And I like Atlanta. Yeah. And you, and you piqued my interest. And I, and I think I mentioned this in the intro. Um, you piqued my interest with uh, conference realignment is what you mentioned because you heard me say it one time. So what's it like? And you mentioned that uh, the SCAC is adding another school in uh, Colorado, Johnson, and Wales. Um, can I say that actually before I go any yeah, further? Okay. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> okay, so Johnson Wells. Last year. Yeah, Johnson Wells coming to the SCAC. So what's it like uh, being in a conference office, having to communicate? You know, members. You know, either one leaving, or two, uh, adding new members. I lucked out. I wasn't here when they did the leaving part. Right. I didn't have the sad news to report, um, but I did get to be a part of the strategy for announcing Johnson and Wales. Um, it was actually really fun. I mean, the process for deciding to invite them as a member was, you know, a pretty long process. It's not like a quick decision. Um, like you see at some of the division ones where they decide four months ahead of the season um, that they're changing conferences. Yeah. Um, so it's not like that at all. I mean, it's a two-year process generally. You have to decide a couple of years ahead of time or a year at least. Um, so we announced Johnson & Wales as a new member, I think, last February maybe. Uh, and they are moving up from NAIA, so they also, we had to wait for them to get approved by the NCAA to get invited into the process to become a Division Three member. Um, so we had to wait for that. We had to wait, um, you know, depend, our presidents at our universities had to decide if they thought it was a good move for us. Um, and so it was, a pretty, it was a pretty long process in terms of time and just meeting schedules um, to match up with what we needed to do so. Getting them invited was probably the longest time, and then getting to do the strategy for the announcement was really cool. We were trying to come up with all these creative new things. Um, you know, we gave all of our schools in the conference a graphic to put out to, you know, welcome them. We did the original announcement on Facebook Live, which we hadn't really used Facebook Live before. Um, so it was pretty, it was like kind of my first taste in that. Um, so we did the announcement on Facebook Live with our commissioner. Um, and then we got to do a lot of graphics. We had a different strategy on every platform, pretty much, um, which is really cool. And then on their end, Johnson & Wales had a whole like pep rally thing to, for joining our conference, which is really, really cool. Um, and I've gotten to go to their campus now, and it's it's fun. We're really excited for them. And like I said, I didn't get to be a part of the people leaving, so I guess um, that's positive because yeah. that's not always happy news. Um, but it's, it's been fun trying to invite people and getting to think of new things to do with more members. Yeah, perfect. So uh, going back to your experience, just a little bit more than I promise we'll move on from it. Um, what's it like being named assistant commissioner so shortly into your professional tenure? 
Yeah, it was crazy. Um, so I did my first year uh, as assistant director of communications and new media, I think was my title. Um, and I did that for the first year and I was with James Hill, who is now at Southwestern. Um, and he was here as the assistant commissioner. He'd been here for a year or two before, I think. And then after he left for a job at Rhodes College, uh, we were kind of in a, t- a little bit of a time crunch. Uh, we... I think he left in August, and we were, you know, obviously season begins September. So I, I don't think it was that a time crunch is what got me the job. I think, um, you know, he didn't even, my boss didn't even think about putting a job description up anywhere and looking at anybody else. So he just offered it to me, and I was like, sure. I don't know what you, what you think you're getting into, but sure. Um, and it was, it was exciting. I mean, it was kind of nerve-wracking, but I would seen James work, and I'd gotten a good opportunity to see what he does, to see, like, how my – position might differ, what kind of admin duties I'd be taking on by switching. Um, and it wasn't a huge change. We like to, we kind of always considered ourselves both assistant commissioners, um, maybe without the title or the pay, but, um, the way D3 conferences work, if you're not the commissioner, you're considered an assistant. Um, and so it, it was a little bit more of an even playing field, I think, than maybe if you were a bigger conference where you have 10 people in the office and that position switches. Um, for us, we kind of already shared a lot of the duties, and so I might have, I got to take over, like, our student athlete advisory committee and dealing with that, so that was, you know, a couple other things I took on, but um, it wasn't a huge change, which is nice, I was kind of, com- I was pretty comfortable with it, um, so it wasn't too bad, I mean, I don't know why they gave that job to a 22-year-old, but obviously it worked out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, now that you're kind of, like, embedded in the SCAC, I mean, like you said, you guys are, are so far away, I mean, you're three two three states away from your nearest conference member in louisiana um so what's it like when it comes championship season i mean do you have to travel for do you personally have to travel for championships first off yeah absolutely so starting next week i'll be gone for the next two weekends for championships we travel a lot okay yeah so what i mean what is that like just kind of on on yourself like you said you're gonna be gone for two and a half weeks so what is championship season like in, in kind of a small college division three conference office for you? Yeah. So it's a little crazy. Um, I mean, we have championships where they have their own weekend, like cross country gets its own weekend. Um, and so it's nice. All three of us go, we, you know, get the manpower to cover everything we want to cover. But then the following weekend we have men's soccer, women's soccer and volleyball running at the same time. And so our three person office splits up and you each go run your own championship. Um, and so it's, and you know, you're in hotels every night, you're in rental cars, you're, you know, across the country or halfway across the country. And so, um, it's definitely tough. I mean, obviously sitting in a hotel room for four nights in a row or five nights in a row, however long it may be, gets tiring and exhausting. And plus the work, um, you know, you're up from the first, you know, two hours or three hours before the first game to five or six after the last game working on stuff. Um, especially those weekends you're by yourself because you're the video editor, you're the graphic designer, you're the social media person you're the event manager, all that kind of stuff. So um, it does get a little bit crazy and pretty exhausting, but it's so fun too. I mean, you also get to be the one to hand out the trophy to the championship team and send them to the NCAA tournament. So uh, that was probably one of the coolest things. I mean, I was, I had to get split up and go to my own championship two months into the job when I first started. And so I, you know, two months into this job, I got to go hand a trophy to a championship team and, you know, congratulate them and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's pretty exciting too. I mean, it's, it definitely outweighs the exhaustion and the the craziness of it. Is how much fun you're actually having. I mean, you can't complain about can't complain too much about getting to sit at a championship and watch games. 
Um, especially not being the SAD. I'm not the one who's statting the game or doing any of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. During the game, I'm sitting on my phone on Twitter and making graphics and sometimes taking some photos. Um, so it's not quite as tedious of work, I think. Okay. Uh, but then we also have, you know, this this fall, it's just two weekends. So it'll be a two-day trip and then a four-day trip or five-day trip. Um, but then in the spring, we have a time where we're going to be gone for, I think, 10 days, 10 or 11 days straight. And then we're home for three days. And then we're gone for another four or five um, when you get to all the spring championships. And so it definitely gets crazy. I mean, you're literally sleeping in hotels, driving across the state. And um, it's, you're driving within the same state, but Texas is a very large state. So yeah. you forget how long those drives are. <laughs> To some of them, so it's it's fun though. It's really really fun. Yeah. So uh, during these uh, championship seasons, uh, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier when you guys were announcing Johnson and Wales, you had never really delved into Facebook Live before. So how often do you, as far as uh, media goes with your conference, uh, experiment with new things? As far as it comes to like just new media in general, a lot. Um, we we like to think of ourselves as probably one of the most innovative conferences in D three, and that's not a, a um, calling anybody else out. I just think that my boss has really decided that's a big thing he wants to be involved in. And he's kind of been one who I'll bring crazy ideas to him and he'll be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, you know, we got Snapchat specs cause we thought we'd make cool videos with them. And uh, we, you know, we have a lot of GoPros so we can do cool stuff with that. Or we've, we've kind of been, um, on the cutting edge of a lot of things. And we've, we definitely have made that a point, um, a thing, you know, a point of way to work, whatever. And so a lot of it comes from him. You know, he obviously has to green light all the things that require money being spent. And um, he's been really awesome about that. He really understands it. And even though he doesn't know how to use half the stuff, he really understands the need for it. Um, and so he's been really great about that. And we try to do as much as we can with experimenting. And um, most D3 conferences now kind of have three people, but a lot of them still do have two. So we're lucky that we do have a third person in our office so I can – I can go experiment with some graphics or, you know, after effects kind of stuff because I have a little more free time than uh, I did last year when I was alone. Um, and so it definitely, it helps that we have an extra person and it helps that my boss understands it and it, and agrees with it and, you know, and thinks it's a valuable thing to do. Um, he likes to, you know, say that we do all this stuff and he likes, you know, we have pretty high standards in our office. So, um, that's really helped me get a chance to learn and grow, you know, teach myself new things and all that kind of stuff. What would you say to uh, an SID um, that maybe is a little bit reluctant to try new things? I mean, there are people that still want to hold out on doing Instagram or, like you said, Snapchat. I mean, there's kind of a war there. But so, some people that may be a little bit reserved as far as that or maybe somebody that wants to do those things and, like you said, maybe their uh, superiors or their bosses, you know, just don't buy into it. What would, what would you say to those people? I think one of the big things that people, and maybe it's most of people outside of this profession, um, forget is that, especially at a campus level, you are the face of the athletic department. I mean, what you put out is what the athletic department gets seen as. And, you know, at a conference, you know, it's not quite as drastic, especially at D3. No one looks at us like the SEC and thinks of the SEC or the SCAC, whatever it may be. Um, but at schools, a lot of people look at the athletic department before they look at the university. Right. Um, and so what you put out is what you see. And so I think if you're looking at your superiors, I think you just need to explain that. Like kids who want to come here, especially athletes who want to come here, are going to look at our stuff first. And if we don't, if you're not giving me the resources to put out quality things or have a quality 
you know, staff or students or whatever, maybe um, that could hurt us. You know, it's, it's hard to monetize that or it's hard to actually come up with the hard data that shows that like this kid came here because of what we did. But it, I guarantee you a lot of them do. Um, if you did an anonymous survey, you might see, you might be able to get that data. Um, and if one student comes, especially at our schools, you know, being a bunch of private schools, if one student comes to our school, that could pay the salary for an extra SID. If you get one more student to come and pay $45,000 a year, that can, you know, pay for an assistant. And, you know, so if they can just do enough to get one more person, that helps. Um, and so I think when you're talking to your higher-ups, you just have to try and figure out a way to, you know, if they're a numbers person, maybe try to figure out a way to monetize. Like, if I get one person to come, one person equals one salary, you know. Obviously, it doesn't really work out like that when you come to, like, campus budgeting, but yeah. it logistically, it does. Um, and then if you're trying to get yourself to do these things or if you're already talking yourself out of it, I think you just kind of need to look at it the other way is, like, what I'm doing is what people see when they think of our college. And if I'm really, you know, into, I've been at this college for a long time and I think what I'm doing is fine, what you're doing is fine, but what people are seeing when they first look at your school isn't how good your stats are. They're not looking to see how accurate they are, um, which is important, and I don't demean that in any way, but that's not what people from the outside are seeing or potential student-athletes are seeing. Um, and so a lot of these things are um, helping bring people in, but also creating a better student-athlete experience. Um, that's one thing we've really prioritized at the conference level is, you know, by interviewing every single player of the week, we're the only conference that does video interviews. Um, the North Coast does a great job with audio interviews, um, but we're the only conference that does a video interview with every single player of the week, every single week. Um, and they get to show their family that they get to be on camera and they get a little more of a, more of a D one feel than most D three conferences give you. I mean, you, you get interviewed professionally every single week and it's, it's really cool. And I think we, everything we do is try and make a better student athlete experience. And if that is throwing up some pictures on Instagram, I think you should do it. I think you, I think every, Every department's different, so if you need, if you feel like you need to survey your student athletes and see how valuable that is to them, by all means, go ahead and do that. If they say they don't care, then maybe, maybe you're already on the right track. But I can, I would say I can probably guarantee that's not going to be the answer. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really important to help make your student athletes feel like they're valued. Okay. All right. Cool. And I, I want to say one thing because I just, I just thought about this. Um, so when I was a recruit in high school. Um, and I was getting I was getting recruited by a lot of small colleges. I was never like recruited by massive universities. So the very first thing I would look at about a university was not your academic. Like you said, the first thing I looked at was the school like athletic website. And if it didn't look good, and there were some out there at the time, you know, going on four years, four or five years ago, they didn't look good, and I didn't call them back because I was weird like that. So. Yeah, that's definitely, like, I don't know. I think people need to invest in that sort of thing, and there are some people that just, you know, refuse to think that way. But uh, I believe that we'll get around to that. So um, coming back to some things um, for you, uh, in your first year I read in your bio, you increased the following in your social media by a 1,000%. Um, this, and this may be a complicated question. Uh, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> um, we... We, my first year, so this is going back, I guess, two and a half years now, Instagram didn't have this really silly algorithm where new things don't show up at the top. And so we decided, because I had a background in graphics, we decided that it'd be really cool 
to post a graphic for every single player of the week and every single sport on Instagram. And one thing I have learned working in college sports is that kids love seeing their own face and they love seeing their friends' faces. And so you, we got so many followers just by doing those kind of things. And then, you know, being so far off campus, I can't go over to someone's campus for a day and just grab a picture or go to catch a game and, you know, do that. So a lot of our stuff came secondhand through our school sending us stuff or things like that. And then championships is when we really did a lot. So especially on Instagram, I think was our biggest growth. Um, we were really like the first conference to take Instagram seriously. Um, and now a lot of them have done it. And I think, um, a lot of them do it really well, but we are the first conference to actually jump on the Instagram bandwagon. And um, oh, we just, you know, posting pictures, like I said, kids like to see themselves. They like to comment to themselves or comment to their friends and say, look at me, I'm cool. Or their friends like to comment and say, look at you, you're not that cool. <laughs> um, and so I think that was that's really how it grew. And it's, it sounds so simple, but um, I think that's just kind of the, the nature of, of, you know, people these days, they like to see themselves. And in a positive light, obviously. Um, and so that helped us a lot. And then just creative content. Yeah. Okay. So how does your strategy change now that, that you kind of mentioned it? Alg- algorithms are changing for these yeah. different platforms. So how does, how does it change for you? So our Instagram strategy changed a lot. Back when I first started, it was a lot of graphics. Um, yeah. We did a lot of graphics. And now I almost never put a graphic on Instagram. It's almost other than like Instagram stories, I might throw a graphic on there. But our actual Instagram, if you look at it, it's all just photos. And we have gone away from putting players of the week on our actual Instagram just because I could put it up on Monday morning, but you might not see it till Friday. And I'm like, well, at that point, it's no longer timely. Um, they really don't care. You know, it just doesn't really make sense to see something four days later. So what we put on Instagram now is key highlights. So we just put up some pictures today. We had men's and women's golfers from two different schools win the tournaments they were playing at. So if you win a, you know, a golf tournament, we'll put, you know, your winning shot with your plaque up, or if your team wins, we'll put up the team picture after they win, or, um, you know, we had a coach reach 900 wins in volleyball last week or two weeks ago, and um, so we put a picture up of her and things like that, just kind of like highlights of the season, we'll put up pictures, and we don't, like I said, we don't do graphics anymore, just because when you look at a clean feed, or when you look at the feed just from, like, looking at my pro- our profile, it looks clean. Everything's edited the same way. It's bright. The pictures are clear. Um, and I think that kind of draws people in. But also we've we found a lot better engagement with just good photos. Um, good photos can do the talking for you. If you're someone who doesn't know if you can put the resources into doing graphics or having time to do that, good photos will make up for that. You don't need to do graphics if you have quality pictures. Okay, so plain and simple. I like it a lot. So I want to go back and uh, kind of ask you about something that, because I emailed you, um, I think it was like middle of September, maybe? Yes. About doing this, so now it's, you know, gosh, it's about a month later, isn't it? And on this episode, yeah. it's going out a month and a half later, but anyway. Yeah, so you guys, you said that uh, you were kind of a little busy there, so what kind of what were you guys doing? Um, I, I kind of followed SCAC on social media. You, you, were you guys going to every single campus? I mean, what what were you guys doing there? Yeah, so we um, do an annual trip called SCAC Eight and Eight or SCAC Eight and Eight, um, and we've this is our fourth time to do it this year. Um, we had to take a little bit of a break last year because me going by myself wouldn't have been nearly as fun. Um, so every year we we've, we've had two people. We've done it. Um, so it's our fourth year this year. 
And what we do is, hypothetically, we go to eight schools in eight days um, and go to a home event on each campus. Um, The first two years that worked out, uh, the last two times we've done it, it's no one schedules things on Wednesday nights, um, apparently. So we've had to kind of fudge the eight. It's like eight and ten this year, I think, or eight and eleven. But we will go to a home event on each campus um, for one of our fall sports. And we'll go and we will kind of do highlights of the game. We'll go talk to people. Um, Each year we've kind of had a different theme of what we do. Um, So a couple of years ago when Blake was with me, um, we kind of did an activity or a challenge kind of thing at each school. So at Southwestern, we did a hot sauce challenge at one of the hot sauce places, downtown Georgetown. And at Trinity, we went and that was a bad example because I don't really remember what we did. But... um, Um, we went and we'd like go get a campus tour to get some really cool footage around campus, learn about the campus. Then we try to do some kind of exciting activity outside of that. Um, I think, oh, at Austin college, they have like the biggest telescope in the state of Texas or something on campus. Maybe not state of Texas cause NASA's in Houston, but North Texas maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we got a science professor to actually take us up there to go see it and look through it. Um, and so we, we go to a home event on the campuses, and then we do some kind of activity or some sort of thing like that. Um, and then each day, we also hand out. We have student reps, and so we give them a bunch of giveaways, sunglasses or T-shirts, whatever. And we give them either GoPros or some kind of camera and let them just take it and film whatever they want to, whether it's getting their friends to do dance moves to get a free T-shirt or trivia or whatever it may be. And then the end of each night, we upload two videos. We have a student video, and we have a, our video. Um... And so they're very different. The student video is a lot more fun. It's a lot of like walking around campus. Here's my room. Here's my favorite spots on campus. Here's my friends. And then our video is a little more formal. It's here's the game we went to. Here's around campus, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's kind of the tour. It's, it originally started um, the year before I started with the SCAC as a way to kind of see the new members. I think that was the first or second year they'd had the three new members in the conference. And so they started it as a way to go kind of introduce these people to the to the conference. Because a lot of people had never been to their campuses or had never seen them or anything like that. So they originally started as a way to introduce it. And then it became so popular that we've made an annual trip. And it's been su- it's super fun. It is, like I said, it was crazy when you emailed me. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll get back to you when I'm done. Because um, it is a 12-day trip between travel days and all that kind of stuff. And, uh-huh. um, I think we put 1,300 miles on the rental car. And so it was, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun. So when you give, uh, and real quick, uh, and then we got to move on. Um, when you give these kind of student reps, these, this camera or this way to kind of show up their life, I realize that you can edit it, but how do you kind of like let go and just kind of trust them by doing that? Because is it, is it kind of, do you kind of worry when you do that? I, I do, but I don't think it's for the way you're kind of asking about. I don't really worry about the, you know, the appropriateness of what they're doing. That's what, yeah, that's um, what I meant. Because, because A, I can edit it, and then B, I generally have gotten really, really good students, whether they were recommended to me from the SID or um, this year we actually tried to go through our SAC. Um, and so those kids are always pretty great. And so I don't really worry about that. The way I worry about it is that, like, we had a couple of videos this year where they weren't as outgoing as we thought they might be, so a lot of the footage was a little more like, here's the game we're watching here's this, like, it wasn't like them being, you know, a couple of them were like, I'm crazy, like, here's me on camera. Yeah. Um, so I'm more worried about the content of what they're going to do and, like, how fun it is. Um, 
I've never really had, I've had like one issue with the appropriateness, but it was like one clip out of like 50 they filmed. And so I generally tell them, film as much as you want. I'll edit it down. I'm, I can't add things. Um, we only had one baseball player who decided to cuss for half their clips. That's it. But, yeah. but um, no, it's actually been, it's been really good. I mean, surprisingly, when you're handing a, a camera to a 19, 20-year-old, you never know what you're going to get. Right, yeah. That's, that's what kind of like a take I was going at might be the appropriateness. I don't know. We've kind of, on this show, we've kind of talked about... Um, uh, with Snapchat takeovers and things like that, Instagram. I mean, we've talked about that. That's what I was kind of referring to. But um, I would like to transition to the part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. So um, first question I have for you, Katie, is uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure? Oh, man. That's a great question. I've had a lot. I think, I, I don't know if it'd be like the coolest or my favorite or anything like that, but I guess it's probably one of the coolest. Was just getting to hand out that trophy at that first championship when I was like two months into the job. Uh, it's nothing like super exciting um, when you talk about it. It's not like I was at a national championship or anything like that, but it was just a really cool thing to do. Um, other than that, I mean, we've got to host a couple NCAA championships uh, for swimming and diving, and so those are always super cool to get to see people win national championships and. Um, there was a girl last year who like literally did not believe that she won. And so she's crying and it's so cool to get to witness that. Cause, um, especially in D three swimming and diving, there's some teams that are always really good and they win a lot. And so to get to see someone from a different team who's so excited about winning, um, that was really, really cool. But I haven't had anything super crazy happen. So I probably sound really boring, but, uh, I think those like just little moments are the best sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So what about on the other side of the coin, uh, maybe a horror story that you've had. Um, this last year baseball tournament, um, we always, almost always have our baseball tournament on a separate weekend. So our whole staff can be there. Uh, and that's just because we're in Texas. We play in Texas. So we have some freedom on when the tournament gets played because uh-huh. we're not worrying about winter and, and snow. So we, we actually play our tournament a few weeks before the NCAA, like before NCAA starts. We have some leeway, but this last year, um, because of when our graduation dates were, we played it earlier during all of our other championships. So um, the weekend we had it on last year, we had four championships going on and it was just my boss and I are the only staff, um, for our conference office. And my boss doesn't do graphics. He can't do video editing. Um, and we do interviews every post game with a winning coach and player. And so all those videos and then track and field, we do a winner. We do an interview with the winner of every single event. So for track and field championships, that's like 30 something events, maybe, um, and so we, you know, we're doing all these interviews and everything like that, and I have to edit every single video each night. Plus, I'm running a tournament, our baseball tournament, which is at a new site. We've never, or since I've been here, we've never played it at a neutral site. And we are at a neutral site this year that we've never been to. I'd never even stepped foot on until our championship. And so, we, you know, we didn't have an event manager, manager from the school. Like we usually do. We usually right, have, yeah. you know, the, the host school will provide that kind of stuff. We didn't have that. That was me. Um, we had some issues with like missing training stuff or things that we thought we were getting from the facility that we didn't get and all that kind of stuff. And that was all obviously falls on me while I'm also trying to be the photographer for the event and do the post game. I had to go do the post game interviews for the event and then take that video and edit it while I had 10 videos coming in from track and field. And it was just a nightmare weekend. Um, everything worked out except for one video got lost. Um, and I got yelled at by a parent for it. <laughs> Um, wow yeah yeah so i mean that it was just it was just a very hectic weekend luckily this year baseball is back by itself um 
but it was just, I mean, it was just a lot going on that weekend. And obviously like getting through that helps you learn, um, and helps you with your communication skills. But, um, it was, it was very hectic to do all of that. Okay. So, um, when you look around in your conference, uh, division, country, what have you, uh, you look at somebody and you just think that, you know, they're a great SID. I mean, what are some things that they do, some characteristics that they have that make you say that? I think especially coming from the conference perspective, communication is everything. Um, someone who, you know, I don't need you to email me late at night, but someone who can respond to an email in a timely manner. Um, you know, I'm always on my phone. I check my email. I can respond to your email. Even if I have to say, hey, I'm not in the office. I'll get back to you. Some kind of response, I think, is like the best thing to me. The best thing you can do is just respond to my emails quickly. Um, and so I think a good communicator, things like that, and people who can you know, and obviously tones come on emails so differently than they might be intended. So I think someone who's able to communicate well on email and, um, you know, not look like they're angry or mad at you or something, even when they're not. Um, I think communication for me is just the best because we do have to coordinate with so many people um, constantly. I mean, we're constantly talking to eight different schools, and eight different SADs. And so I think communication is like one of the best things. And then I think someone who understands the, the way things are going and changing whether it's like bringing in new media, I think that's what makes a really good SID. Obviously, there are some incredible SIDs who don't deal with that. Um, but I think in this day and age, it's kind of a non-negotiable of the job, sort of. And I think people who understand that and get that are, are incredible SIDs and can be. Um, one that comes out to mind to me is Matthew Fenton, who was at Cairn, and now he's at Claremont Med Scripps. Um, I mean, he was really, really good. He was by himself. Um at Karen, I don't know if he's by himself at CMS, but he did a really good job with graphics and social media, really, you know, started that up and then was also running his own department and having to do everything. So I think people who can do that and um, obviously Blake Childers, he used to be with us and is now at Barry College. He has a soft spot in my heart because he was awesome with us. Um, he's doing great, great things at Barry too. So people like that who can, you know, just do all the traditional SID stuff, but also kill it with new media, I think are who I look up to sometimes. Okay, awesome. So, and I guess I kind of have to rephrase this question based on the people who keep DMing me. Um, what advice would you give to a young professional, I used to say student, young professional going into this, uh, going into this profession? Um, I think always keep learning is probably the best thing. I mean, I like I said earlier, I learned Photoshop by doing MySpace layouts. And, I mean, you might learn in the weirdest of ways, but always try to keep learning. Um, you know, I know Photoshop, if you're, if you're unemployed or if you don't have a job and you're looking for something, trying to learn that stuff, it's hard to get access to. Just come with a lot of fake emails and you can keep getting 30-day trials. Um, I think trying to learn that stuff, whether it's, <laughs> um, whether it is on, you know, a Photoshop trial or video editing or After Effects, whatever it may be, I think... Always keep trying to teach yourself that stuff. If you want to learn Stat Crew, maybe find the Stat Crew disc, if they're floppy disks or whatever. If you have a computer, they'll read it. Um, find that and try to, you know, watch an NBA game and try to stat it and learn to do that. And then look at, you know, compare the box scores after the game and see how close you are. And, you know, just keep learning. I mean, even if you don't have that much experience, if you can show that you're super dedicated to the profession and dedicated to learning and always growing, I think that's good. Also, Twitter chats, if you're trying to get your name out there, Twitter chats are great. Um, I participate in a couple every week, or generally speaking, so YP Sports Chat's really good if you're not necessarily 
strictly want to be an SID. Um, if you just want to get involved in sports, YP Sports Chat on Tuesday nights is great. Side of Chat on Monday nights is really good for SIDs. And they do cover a lot of things that aren't even necessarily limited down to SIDs. Um, and so I think those are really good places to network and get your name out there um, and learn from some really, really cool people. I mean, there are some people who participate in those who are, you know, not newcomers. I mean, they are, they know a lot um, about what they're doing and they know, a lot, they know what they're talking about. And I think that's a great place to learn from. So I always learn. Yeah. So what's one thing that you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I've actually really been interested in trying to learn more of the admin side of stuff. Um, I'm really into the social digital media right now, and I think that's kind of where I want my my path to go in the in the short term. But in the long term, I want to eventually get to either commissioner or an AD kind of role. And um, so there are a lot of admin stuff, whether it's something silly like learning a budget, how to do the budgeting for the year, things like that, um, that I really want to learn. And I'm, my boss and I are kind of working together this year to learn that now that I have some more free time. Um, just because I think that stuff will help me down the line. Um, I don't. I, I do want to be able to run my own conference or something one day. I don't always want to stay at kind of an assistant commissioner role. And so I, I do need to learn a lot of that admin stuff. And, you know, dealing with angry coaches or dealing with, you know, coaches meetings and stuff like that, which I've done a little bit of, but getting to take more of a leadership role and that kind of stuff um, is what I really want to do. Uh, work-life balance. What's one thing you do to have fun? Oh, man, I do a lot of things to have fun. I will say working at a conference is the closest you'll ever get to a nine to five job in college sports. Yeah, it's got to be um, other than championships and crazy times. I'm pretty much home leaving the office at five um, and five or, you know, five or five thirty, depending on the day. But um, so I actually have a pretty good work life balance, especially compared to most SIDs. But I think um, I mentioned this in a Twitter chat I did a couple weeks ago that we talked about this. Hanging out with people who don't work in sports is probably one of the best things I can do to get my head out of it. Um, they don't they don't really want to talk. I mean, they might want to bring up a couple things. They don't want to talk about my job. They don't want to talk about sports necessarily. And so it's nice to get to talk to somebody where we're talking about something I don't talk about all day long. Um, and it really gets your head out of it, out of work, when you're not talking about that kind of stuff. Because if you, you know, when I, when I hang out with people I work with, I think it just... I tend to keep talking about things that are related to work. And even though you're not working anymore, you still aren't relaxing either. Um, and so I think finding people who don't work in this field and getting, whether it's, a, you know, it could be a husband or a wife. Yeah. It could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or it could be friends, whatever it may be for you. Um, I think finding people who, who don't have any vested interest in your field is great because it helps you totally clear your mind. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's definitely uh, one thing that we've um, been us- utilizing a, a whole lot lately, um, especially during the summer months when I don't hang out with other sport management major people. So um, next time someone's in Atlanta, and I've asked this question a lot, and get, yes, you have a, you have a, a point to be in Atlanta, guys. Um, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Um, well, there's two reasons to be in Atlanta in the next two years. We have the college football championship and the Super Bowl. So you should definitely be in Atlanta there soon. No. <laughs> um, oh man. Um, they're so, it's such a big city. It's, it's kind of hard, but, um, I live in Buckhead near downtown Atlanta. So I'll go with Buckhead places. Um, okay. my favorite bar, if you're at like a fun night out, there's a bar called Park Bench. Um, on Saturday nights, they start out with a piano, dueling pianos. And then they switch to live music in the back, and it's super fun. 
but it's in the middle of an area where there's like six other bars you can walk to so it's it's a good good time always um and then you say restaurant too or yeah sure. what else do you ask yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> well i'm italian so there's a really good italian place called taverna in buckhead also um that's that's super good Perfect. And if anybody wanted uh, any reason to contact you, maybe follow up with you after this, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Well, you can uh, slide into my DMs if you want to. My Twitter is just Katie Mucci, um, K-A-T-I-E-M-U-C-C-I. Um, or you can email me. It's just kmucci at scacsports.com. Um, or I'm not going to give up my phone on this podcast, but if you look on the website, it's not that hard to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I gave out my phone one time, and I haven't had anybody contact me, so I think it's pretty, pretty, pretty I don't simple. know. This is episode fifty. You're pretty popular by now. Yeah, so. no, yeah, and I wanna, I wanna thank you for coming on uh, for being episode number fifty. Um, I, I do have, I have like a calendar whiteboard on my living room, and I have one of, I have two actually. One of them is actually a calendar. The other one I just use as a whiteboard with a bunch of names on it. You've been on it for a while now, so I'm glad that I've been able to. <laughs> to cross you off the list. So, um, again, thank you very much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been super fun. No problem. No problem. And I want to thank uh, everybody who has uh, already downloaded, subscribed to this podcast. Uh, we're at episode 50 now, so if you haven't done it by now, I don't know what more you need. What do you want from me? So, um, and if you already are subscribed, uh, hitting any sort of rating or review, we still have an average of five-star reviews over on iTunes. Very, very proud of that. So uh, thank you to all who have already done that and given a tremendous review. Um, and if you haven't, it just takes a couple seconds, literally. Like Five stars is better than most of my Uber drivers, so. <laughs> yeah, I've taken Uber one time. It was after Cosida, and it was like at 5 a.m. And um, One time? One time. Well, I'm rural Indiana, and Evansville That's doesn't. True. Yeah, Evansville doesn't, uh, I think now they allow, like, Uber and Lyft, but okay. we used to have kind of like a city thing, city ordinance that didn't allow that, but I, I took the Uber driver at, like, 5 a.m., and he, he just, like, he, you know, I went through a phase in junior high where I used to listen to, like, you know, really hardcore, like, screamo music, no, this guy never left that phase. He was, like, playing, like, <laughs> yeah, he was playing, like, death metal, and it was, like, 50 minutes to the airport that I went at. So that was uh, that was oh. different. So, yeah, but that, that was my Uber experience. Side note. But. That's wonderful. <laughs> anyway, so, um, guys, next week we will have Blake Watson of uh, Mount St. Joe. He is a guy that I met at Cosida and said that he wanted to be on, and it's been so long, and he started telling me his story, and I'm super excited to tell you guys all about him and let him share kind of his experiences. Also a D3 guy. Um from Cincinnati. So um, we, kept, we thank you all for listening. Hope to catch you all in the next episode.